please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to be reading verses 12 through 24. 12 through 24, our focus specifically is going to be verses 16 through 18. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, all of us here know that we live in a world that is constantly changing. As I drove in this morning through Bowmanville, I remember a very different town. I remember a very small town with not a lot of houses. I drove by the house that we used to live in beside Maranatha CRC and just brought back a whole world of memories. Then drove by the house, the other house that we used to live in and it just amazed me how much this city has grown. But we know we live in a changing world. We know that we live in a world that not only changes physically but also changes in many ways And I think in the last few years, we've been especially struck by the amount of change that has taken place, especially in our culture. Change has come at an incredible rate. Whether you talk about drug legalization, you talk about euthanasia, you talk about MAID, medically assisted suicide, or you talk about anti-conversion laws or hate speech, so much has changed So much is different even compared to what it was 10 or 15 years ago. Now as Christians, this can make us wonder about the future. Whether we're going to have the freedoms that we've had in the past. What will the sacrifices be that we will need to make as a church in the future? Brothers and sisters, we don't have the answers to those questions, and we don't need to have the answers, do we? Because we trust that the Lord will take care of his children. We trust that he will take care of his church no matter what happens. 
How thankful we can be for the gospel. How thankful we can be for the work of Jesus Christ and the security that we have in him. Our focus this morning is verses 16 through 18 of 1 Thessalonians 5. And at the time, the church of Thessalonica was going through some very difficult times, very challenging times on several fronts. They were facing internal problems in the church with those teaching false doctrine. They were also facing those who were attacking the church from the outside, those who were opposed to the gospel. But the church was under a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. Yet even though this was the case, all the way through the book, Paul has been encouraging the church to keep their eyes, not on their circumstances, but to keep their eyes on their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To remember that he would return again. And that in all of their trials, that Christ would take care of them. Our passage this morning says that in all circumstances, we are to give thanks For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Today, as we consider these verses together, we're going to see this. What does Christian thankfulness look like? And how are prayer and joy an essential part of our thanks to God? What does Christian thankfulness look like? And how are prayer and joy an essential part of our thanks to God? Let's begin by looking at what true thankfulness looks like. Now, if you're not a believer here this morning, or you're just being introduced to the Christian faith, you may think, well, Christian thankfulness really isn't that different than thankfulness of a person who doesn't know Christ. And it's true, even atheists or agnostics, they would express gratitude for the good things in their life. Maybe it would be expressed this way, that they're thankful for the good fortune of having a job. They're thankful for their family and friends, for their good health, perhaps. It isn't expressed to anyone in particular. It's just a feeling of well-being that they have. They see it as a bit of good luck, perhaps. Now, for the Christian, it's very different. We give thanks, not to an unknown entity, but we give thanks to a God whom we know and we love personally. A God who has reached out to us with his saving grace, and he has touched our own lives. That's very different than someone who doesn't know the Lord. Verse 18 says, In all circumstance give thanks, for this is the will of God. It says, In Christ Jesus. Now, brothers and sisters, these three words are very important. In Christ Jesus. Our thankfulness is grounded in that fundamental truth that because of Jesus Christ, because of his work on the cross, he has redeemed us out of sin and death. He has saved us out of darkness and despair. 
He's paid the price for our sins. He's given us a new life in him. And it's only when we come to understand our need for the Lord that we see our own sinfulness and that we turn to him in repentance and faith that we receive the forgiveness of our sins through Christ's blood. Then we are relieved from the weight of our sin. Children, you might remember the story of Pilgrim's Progress, how Pilgrim had a big sack on his back, and that he was trudging through this life. He was looking for relief. He needed to get rid of this heavy weight that he was carrying around. But children, when he came to the cross, what happened? We know that that weight was released, wasn't it? That weight fell off his back. He could begin to walk free. It was an amazing event. It was kind of the the highlight of the whole story. And that's true for every believer, every one of us who knows the Lord, every one of us who's been forgiven of their sins. They know what that means to now walk freely in Jesus Christ. And that's why we give thanks to the Lord first and foremost, isn't it? Christ has saved me from my sins. Christ has relieved me of my debt. I understand now that I walk freely in Jesus Christ. As Psalm 34 says, we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Let me just say to you this morning that this is something that has to be personal, isn't it? It's not just because your family goes to church. It's not just because your parents or grandparents were good people and they taught you these things that you're necessarily included in this. No. This is something that needs to be personal, that we believe, that we understand this truth, that we confess our sins to the Lord. We need to know that we serve an awesome God, a God who loves and cares for us, who has reached out to us, to me personally, with his sovereign love and grace. When you understand that, brothers and sisters, what an amazing thing that is. That's a a reality in your life. That's a reality that you live out of. You You live a thankful life because what Christ, of what Christ has done for you. This past week, I had the opportunity to be in a drug rehab center in Mexico and to give an explanation of the gospel there. There were 25 young men between 19 or 20 and maybe 25 or 30. They were in a three-month program there, and I talked about forgiveness with them. I talked about the reality of the cross in our life, how we are able to forgive others when we have been forgiven. But the one man said to me, he said, how can I know for sure that my sins have been forgiven? How is it that I can change in my life? How do I keep from sinning now? And I explained to him what this looks like, that in Christ Jesus we can be made new again, that there's hope even in the darkest place, even with those who are addicted to drugs, even those who have committed terrible crimes, some of these guys had, we can know that we have been forgiven in Jesus Christ. That's the first step. 
And that's where thankfulness begins, brothers and sisters. Understanding the power of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we're thankful because we're in Christ Jesus, brothers and sisters. So we've established that we must be in him, in Christ Jesus, but now we must understand what it means in all circumstances that we are to give thanks. Yes, in the good times, when everything's going well, sometimes that's easy to give thanks in those times, isn't it? What the Apostle Paul here is saying is that it's also important to understand that we're called to give thanks in times of trial and difficulty. Even then, the Christian can be thankful to the Lord. When we know that our eternal security is found in Christ, when we know who it is that will take care of us in all of our life, till the day that Christ calls us into his presence. That's a security that the Christian has. That's a a security that all of us can have from the youngest to the oldest. We just talked about Mr. Brink passing away. A man who knew the Lord, a man who served the Lord his whole life, had a a joy in the Lord. It's a man that recently passed away that was very dear to me, a man that worked beside me for many years as an elder in Mexico. He was a a man that didn't do well financially. He never owned a car. He always struggled to make ends meet. In his job as a health inspector, he was never promoted. He never wanted to falsify papers. His name was Martin, Martin Castillo. The thing about Martin is that everyone in the city that we lived in, about 300,000, everyone who met him, and he had a, a public job, a lot of people knew him. They knew him as a gentle man. They knew him as a man who loved people. But most importantly, they knew him as a man who loved the Lord. And a couple of years ago, he was diagnosed with cancer during covid Because of it, he didn't receive any treatment. And I had an opportunity to talk with him on his deathbed, and he said this to me. He said, Rich, he said, I am so thankful for the life that God has given to me. For the wonderful years that we had together, for God's faithfulness in all of my life. He said, yes, I'd like to see my daughter graduate. Yes, I'd like to continue to serve in the church. But if the Lord is calling me to himself now, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go with, to be with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This week I sat down with the widow and the daughter and they expressed Just what a joy it was to have a father like that, a father that really loved the Lord. A father that was thankful even when he didn't have the perfect life, even when everything didn't go his way. 
A father that even in his death continued faithful to the end. And brothers and sisters, that's what true thankfulness begins with. It begins with a right relationship with Christ. And it permeates even through the most difficult of circumstances. So first of all, Christian thankfulness is in Christ Jesus. It's grounded in his work on the cross for us. But secondly, Paul mentions unceasing prayer. And as we read through this passage, we know that this was a list of instructions to the church. But I believe that there's a a very strong connection between thankfulness and unceasing prayer. Now we need to ask the question, what does it mean to pray this way? Now, all of us know that prayer is an important part of the Christian's life. If I were to ask the children this morning, what is prayer? Maybe you would describe it to me this way. You might say, well, Pastor Rich, it, it means to talk with God. That, that I, Something that I say before I go to bed, I give thanks for the things that I've been given that day for the house and, the, and my parents and my brothers and sisters and other things, perhaps. It's, 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 it's a talking with God. And you know what? You'd be right if you gave me that definition. It's communication with the Lord. It's speaking with him about what's going on in our life. And we know as Christians that this is something that's very important. In order for our relationship with the Lord to be strong, we need to have communication with him. We can talk about a relationship that we have as husband and wife. If we're not talking to each other, that's a problem. Many times when divorce happens or separation happens, it's because there's been a breakdown in communication. And the same is true in our relationship with the Lord. And we can talk about planned prayer. That is, times that we pray individually or as a church... These times are very important, and I hope you have times in your life that are set aside where you pray specifically for the things in your life, for the needs, for the sick, for perhaps the persecuted church, and other things. But brothers and sisters, we can also talk about spontaneous prayer, that is, in-the-moment prayer, when, when we've been blessed by something or something has taken place in our life that we would just that we just bow our heads and we thank the Lord. When we hear of a a need or something that has happened to another brother or sister or someone that we love, to, to just stop and plead with the Lord, Lord, be with that person, help that person. I remember seeing this firsthand when I had opportunity to intern with some missionaries in Mexico many years ago. I was amazed by them because every time they heard of someone struggling, everyone, every time someone had a need, they would just stop everything they were doing. They'd say, we need to pray about this right now. It was amazing. They were, their names were the Dyes, Richard and Anita Dye. They were amazing missionaries. I remember Mrs. Dye being on the phone, two different phones, they, that back in the day when we actually spoke on the phone. But people would call her with the needs that they had in the church. And she had two different lines. And she'd be praying with one person. And then she'd be talking with another. But they were praying constantly. That was a great example to me. 
And brothers and sisters, unceasing prayer is something that we need to learn as a church because without prayer, we're weak. Without prayer, constant prayer, we are cut off from God. Even though God knows exactly what we need, even more than we do, he wants to hear us call out to him to learn to rely on him. There's a man in the history books, a man by the name of George, George Mueller. He was a man that took care of orphans in the 1800s. But the one thing that is always spoken about when they spoke about, they speak about George Mueller even to this day was that he was a man that believed in the power of prayer. That when we call out to God, he will respond. If you've never read his story, you should try and pick up a copy of his life story, of his biography. Just amazing to hear the stories. When he would pray specifically with his orphans, when they didn't have any food, many times someone would come along in that exact moment and it would provide exactly what the orphans needed. George Mueller said this, he said, The Lord not only gives as much as is absolutely necessary for his work, but he gives abundantly. And this blessing fills me with inexplicable delight. He has given me the full answer to my thousands of prayers. Brothers and sisters, prayer is so necessary, especially in times of difficulty, in times of trial. And these times of trial are not the exception in the Christian life. We need to understand that really they are the norm. And you may ask the question, why is that? Why do we need to go through difficulty? Why do we need to go through trials in our life? And the answer is this, because it is then that we are forced to truly walk by faith. In our own minds, we want to have our lives under control, don't we? We want to know where our next meal is coming from. We want to be able to know exactly what that meal is going to look like. We don't really like to pray, give us this day our daily bread. We like to have healthy, strong bodies. We like to have, especially I think as Dutch people or those, many of us that come from that background, we like to have all of our ducks in a row. But C.S. Lewis said this, he said, God whispers to us in our joys, he speaks to us in our conscience, and he shouts to us in our pain. A loving God is getting your attention when you go through difficulty and trial. And brothers and sisters, the question is, Will you turn and speak and commune with him in your trials? When the storms of life come and beat on your house, on the foundation, on whom is the foundation of your life built? When all of your props get taken away, that, brothers and sisters, is when you begin to see where your trust truly is. Can you still give thanks to the Lord even in those times? Can you receive the plate of difficulty that the Lord is giving you and still say thank you to him? 
And I don't know what you're facing right now in your life. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe you've lost someone special in your life. Maybe you have struggles with one of your children. Maybe it's difficulties in your marriage. Maybe it's financial hardship. But brothers and sisters, whatever it is, you have to be willing to say to the Lord, Lord, you know what you're doing. I'm going to thank you for those things that you are doing in my life, even for the things that I don't understand. I'm going to trust in your love and in your care for me, the God that has sovereignly called me to himself. He will work out all things to my good. One author said it this way. He said, if you don't suffer trials and let it drive you to Christ, you will never be able to handle trouble. The ironic thing is, is that if God were able to keep you completely safe from trouble, you would be shallow, you would be breakable, you would be entitled. That is why a loving God sends us trials, and that is why we can thank him even in those hard times, because we know that God is working these things out for our good. But brothers and sisters, do you know what a what living a thankful life, a prayer-filled life produces? Joy. True, lasting joy. When we have this kind of communication with God, when we have this kind of trust in Him, it's not to say that it's going to be all smooth sailing in our life. It's not to say that there won't be tears or worries or concerns. We know that there will be. But God will bring you through those times more mature, more trusting in him. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Maybe you've had opportunity to sit down with mature Christians. We know that they are to be used in the church, don't we? But mature Christians have experience in living the Christian life. I remember in our youth group, we would go to coffee house, even with the older folk in the church. And it was amazing for us because oftentimes we'd ask them just to give their testimony to us, how God had worked in their life. And sometimes you, you don't always understand the things that they've been through. But when they begin to tell you and explain how God has been faithful, had been faithful to them, it was so neat. It was amazing. I'd encourage the older folks in this congregation to do that with the younger. You have a, a place you are to teach or to witness of what Christ has done in your life. But it can be of real help when we hear from you how you have weathered the storms in your life. How as Romans 12, 12 says that you've rejoiced in hope, that you've been patient in tribulation, that you've been constant in prayer. And as we close this morning, let me ask you very simply. Is this a description of you? 
And maybe you've come to this service this morning not feeling this way. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's because you don't have a relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're going through difficult things right now in your life and you don't understand why. You you feel like the Lord is punishing you for the things that you've done in your life. And maybe the Lord is just bringing you to a point where you see your need for him. Scripture tells us today is the day of salvation. If that's the case with you this morning, don't walk out of here without turning to Christ in faith. But maybe you are a Christian this morning and you've grown discouraged in your Christian life. Maybe you're feeling anxious. Maybe your prayer life has grown cold and you lack an intimacy with God. Maybe you're focusing on the things that you don't have instead of the things that you have received in Christ. If that's the case, cry out to Jesus once again. He knows us. He knows our weakness. He knows what we are going through. Remember that you are a child of God. And I want to close with some words from 1 Peter 1. Familiar words for the church. It says, in all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all sorts of trials. These have come so that they prove the genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, that they may result in praise and glory and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do, you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Brothers and sisters, may this be true of us, that we would rejoice always, that we would pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ of God in Christ Jesus for us. Let's close in prayer.